0: Good morning, Four Oaks Church. I'm wearing the beanie. You know, you know it's chilly outside. and got to keep the dome warm. Hey, it's Thursday morning. Let's check the date here. I think it's the, yeah, whoa, February 22nd. February is evaporating, and so is chapter 16 of Matthew's Gospel. So what we do here is we are making our way through uh, portions of Matthew. We're... Um, taking 10 or 15 minutes Monday through Friday to break down the text that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday, and Lord willing, giving you a sense of how I'm thinking about it, looking at it, interpreting it, contextualizing it, and all that good stuff, and then we come together on Sunday, and we sit under um, God's Word and the preaching and hear what He has for us. So we are Matthew chapter 16. You can open your Bibles there, of course. Let me read the passage that we're camping out in. It's verses 21 through the end of the chapter. Let me, let me read it, um, kind of just briefly review where we've been and dig in for this morning. So this is Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. coming in his kingdom. So we said that the big idea of this passage um, relates to the mission of the Messiah. And while the disciples and Peter specifically had clarity about who Jesus was, that he was the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, the son of the living God, not just sent from God, but actually God himself, They had clarity about that, finally, by the grace of God and his supernatural revelation to them. But what they did still did not have clarity on and would not for quite some time was the nature of the Messiah's mission, because they obviously, along with all the other Jews at the time, just assumed that this prophet, priest, king that would come, it was God's anointed, would be a conquering Messiah. He would reestablish David's throne he would reinstitute all the religious life of ancient Israel. Um, he would um, be a prophet speaking on behalf of God to the people. And of course, that was not going to be possible as long as Israel was enslaved in its own country. And what Jesus does, and we looked at these the last few days, and you can go back and listen, is just explode, detonate that whole mentality, that idea, and um, and said, no, actually the heart of the Messiah's mission is to die, is to suffer, uh, that it was necessary, that he must go to Jerusalem. And as quick as Peter had this amazing profession earlier in chapter 16, um, he now is speaking in the spirit of Satan when he tells Jesus it will never be, and Jesus rebukes him in the strongest terms. So that's where we are. Now, if that was not shock enough, okay, to the disciples and Peter, they would have immediately, I think, began to wonder, well, if that's the Messiah's mission, what does that mean for us, right? Because remember, they were under the strict uh, rabbinic model with Jesus. He was their master. They were his disciples. They followed him around. He taught them. He modeled behavior for them. He. He was an authority in their life. And the goal, of course, with any disciple was to become like the master, like Jesus. That was the way the rabbinic um, tradition worked. So now here, they hear Jesus saying that i am got to go up to Jerusalem and die. And their immediate response, I think, is going to be, well, what in the world does that mean for us? All right? If you're going to die and we're following you and you're our master, what, what are the implications for our mission? Okay, And here is one of the most famous verses in all of the scriptures. Look at verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, reading this 2,000 years later, and knowing the rest of the story that, of course, Jesus is foretelling that, um, that his road is going to be marked with suffering and death, specifically on a Roman cross. I mean, we, can, we, we know that reading back into this now, that's not what the disciples would have understood, right? That they would have been understanding this in much more basic terms, okay? They would have said... Um, they they would have understood very clearly nuts and bolts. These were simple men, right? Fishermen, many of them. They would have understood it, I think, simply in this way. If you're going to follow me, you're gonna die. And you're going to die um a tortuous, a tortuous, tortuous death, right? So so the idea, remember, crucifixion was a very common method of execution on the part of the Romans. And it was dreaded for all the reasons we won't talk about this morning, but it was one of the more horrific ways to die. And part of what would happen here is that, and we know this from the story of of Jesus, is that they would make the criminals, those who were being crucified, carry their own cross to, to carry their death instrument um, to the place where they were going to be crucified. And this was a procession of shame, right? There was, there, there was a procession of Roman soldiers leading the prisoners who had been whipped, abused, were almost to the point of death. Anyway, being made to carry the, their cross, the, the instrument of their execution to the executioner's site, right? Be like having to carry the ax to your own beheading. It would be like having to unload the electric chair from the back of the truck and to help move it into the um, prison where you know you're going to be executed. It would be like building the scaffolding that you know that you're going to be hung from. Yeah. Hopefully that 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 gives you the, the image here, right? The picture. And what Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me. Or following me as your disciple or your rabbi, your Messiah, you're going to be carrying your death instrument and following me into death. Now, it's impossible for us to understand the the way that would have reverberated on them, right? One, just from the pure act of thinking about how they were going to die, they were going to suffer a martyr's death. That that, that would have been horrific enough. But then to to realize that my idea of the Messiah was not leading them into glory, into victory, into honor, but into disrepute, dishonor, and shame, this would have just been, I think, um, something beyond their comprehension. And Jesus, here in verse 25, gives them the rationale for why they should embrace this call to death. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, for my sake, will find it. So one, let let me just talk about that, those implications for them and for us. So we do know, in, in reality, all the apostles save one, that would be John, suffered um, a horrific martyr's death we think three of them were crucified including peter Um, there were others that were stoned Um, we know that um, some were beheaded some crucified and um, even john who was the lone apostle to not be martyred it wasn't because they didn't try church church history tradition tells us that they tried to to burn him alive and a bot and a uh, huge vat of boiling oil. Now, so, so this was going to have real life um, ramifications for us. And before we start spiritualizing this text, okay, and thinking about, well, you know, Pastor Paul, we're not gonna be crucified, of course. Um, um, let, let's think about the spiritual meanings of this. I think before we can run to that kind of application, we really have to to sit on this and say, the essence of what Jesus is saying is that to follow him in this life means suffering. To follow him in this life means a death, a physical death, a spiritual death, material death, a a death in, in, in all ways, it means disrepute. It means shame. It means um, public embarrassment. It means, I mean, we have to kind of go through all those things because sometimes we can domesticate this call and say, well, I'm bearing my cross right now. I'm on a diet. Or I'm bearing my cross right now and and I'm having to, uh, to work hard in school. I'm bearing my cross right now. Things are really hard at work. And I'm not saying there aren't implications for all those things. But if that's where we immediately go, we miss the essence, I think, of what Jesus is saying here. He's calling us to a complete worldview reversal to understand that what awaits us in this life is not glory, victory, um, comfort, and affluence. See, a lot of times that's, that's the way we operate, right? Jesus is a means to something, something for us. Versus Jesus is issuing a call to us, which we follow him, and then we bear with him the reproaches that he bore on the cross. Because Jesus reminds us, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? There's no more important decision point, and Jesus wants to make it crystal clear, this is what it means to follow me. And so in this sense, Jesus is not something that just sort of fits into our life that we can wedge in at this point or that point. He is issuing a call that has a claim over every aspect of our life. And before we start running to this application or that application, I think that's just something we need to sit with. That's something we need to reckon with. That's something that that needs to rest upon us and for God to reorient our lives, because let's be honest, sometimes we're shocked by suffering. We're surprised. We act as if something strange is happening. We, um, we, we question the goodness of God and how he could let his people suffer, when in reality, Jesus says, you will suffer. I promise it. I promise it. So we'll pick it back up there tomorrow with some application and then try to deal with these last two verses, which speak of judgment, but which are just a little bit tricky. Let me pray. Lord, we need your grace to see the call to follow you for what it truly is. It's, it's a claim of totality upon every aspect of our life. So Lord, give us grace, give us mercy today to receive that call and to find the joy in it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks everybody. See you tomorrow.